Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. not about the garment. It's not about the shadow. It's not about any of that stuff. It's just that faith kind of connection point. For her, it was like, I know Jesus can heal me. I know he can heal me. For these guys, they're like, God is doing something through these people. And even if he's so amazing, he's so powerful that even if Peter's shadow touches me or passes over this sick person, they'll be healed. Why? They're not believing in Peter's shadow. They're not even believing in Peter. They're believing in the power of Jesus, who is the great physician. When you come to the Lord with a need, you must believe He can heal. As Pastor James cautions in today's message, don't believe in the prayer that you're speaking, but believe in the great physician. When Jesus' followers reached out to touch His garment for relief, they were believing in Jesus, not His garment. Your faith is made strong in the Lord, not by the rituals or songs or scripture you read. Use today's message to ask yourself what or who you're believing in, and correct if misaligned. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Acts chapter 5 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. chapter 5, if you would. We ventured into this chapter a little bit last week, talked about the very super popular church story of Ananias and Sapphira. It's not that popular. People know about it. God struck two people dead in church because they're liars. Like, you can't talk about that. Don't give that one in church. It's like, well, hey, God's going to deal with sin in whatever way he wants to, and especially in a brand new church. This thing is just starting. He's going to make an example of two people who shouldn't have been posers. They should have been telling the truth, but they didn't. So you got this whole thing. We're coming out of this story where Ananias and his wife, Sapphira, were just like struck dead in the middle of like a church service kind of a thing. These young men drag them out, bury them and all this good stuff. And this fear, this reverence is like coming upon everybody because they're like, I think God means business. And they're like, yes, he does. I think God really cares about this thing he calls the church. And yes, he does. He does. And you know what? Honestly, it's his church. He can do whatever he wants to do in his church. And if he wants to make an example of somebody, well, he can do that, okay? He can do that. Hopefully, the takeaway last week was, hey, you're still alive and breathing, so praise God for that, okay? Because you're no different than Ananias or Sapphira, and neither am I right? We're still sinners. We're sinners. So praise God, he used them as an example, okay? So I believe they're probably believers. They're probably in heaven, and they'll have some stories or whatever. But listen, the complaint about the church being full of hypocrites, yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, you want to follow Jesus? You want to live your life a certain way, and you struggle? At least tell me you're wrestling with sin, that you're not giving over to it. Well, guess what? Your life's not always going to be perfect. So if it makes me a hypocrite, then so be it. I am. But man, I'm a hypocrite who's in love with Jesus, and I would just want to be more and more like him each and every day, okay? I'm messed up. You're messed up. I sin. You sin. We all sin. There we go. There's a Savior. His name's Jesus, and he showed up to fix that problem, okay? That's the church. That's like the real church. That's not, I don't know what this thing is where somehow church has turned into this, where the people who show up have it all figured out. Don't, Calvary Galveston's not about that, okay? We're not, because none of us have anything figured out. 
except for hopefully the one thing that's the most important thing is that Jesus is the Savior of the world, okay? Church is messy. It's messy. It is. Praise God for that. Praise God for that, because I'm not qualified to belong anywhere else in this world. I fit in with messiness, because my life is messy, all right? So praise God, there's a gracious God who understands who you are and understands who I am and is willing to take a chance on us, quote unquote, and say, I'm gonna, I can do great things with you. I'm not qualified. Don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. That's what you have with the apostles. That's what even Ananias and Sapphira, they had the same opportunity that everybody else within their early church had to be used by God. They chose to listen more to Satan than to the Holy Spirit, Okay. So they gave into that, the Lord dealt with them, he used that as an example for this young church, and now fear and reverence is, is kind of sweeping through this mega church, because it is a mega church, there's thousands of people that are part of this brand new church. And so things are going to keep going though. So you got persecution from outside, the enemy was going to use that to destroy this thing, that didn't work, so he's going to try to get into the church through Ananias and Sapphira and mess it up that way, that didn't work. So now he's in, the persecution is going to intensify even more so from the outside within the rest of this chapter. That's what we're going to see. But you know what? The church, unstoppable. The church is unstoppable. And I'll keep saying that. I'll keep reminding you of that because as messy as it may be, it is unstoppable. It's unstoppable. Man can do nothing against the true church of God. Satan himself can do nothing against the true church of God. Nothing. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Why should you go to church? Because it's unstoppable. Because you belong here. Because you got gifts, you got talents, you're part of this thing, and we're supposed to come together and serve together, not just huddled up inside here, but for the sake of our city, for the sake of our communities. That's what we're gonna see happening here. So we transition from impromptu double funeral service that the church experienced in one day. Look at verse 12, this is where we'll pick up. Chapter five, verse 12. I'm going to read from the ESV. So it says, verse 12, now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. Now, you need to understand that's like all the apostles, the capital A apostles, all right? So you got all the apostles that are being used by God to do signs and wonders regularly. This is just happening, okay? It says, and they were all together in Solomon's portico, or that's Solomon's porch, maybe, as your translation may say. None of the rest dared to join them, verse 13, but the people held them in high esteem. So you got this like reverence that's going on, and, and there's, a, there's two schools of thought on this verse. Does it mean that people are now afraid to join the church because of Ananias and Sapphira? That could be true. I mean, think about it. Just yesterday, two people died at a church because they lied to the Holy Spirit. Are you signing up to join that church? Probably not, right? You're like, oh man, I don't, they got a satellite campus? Like, can I watch this online or something? Because I don't want to be there. I don't want to be, I don't want that to happen to me. That may be what it's talking about. The other thing it may be talking about is the fact that as the apostles are doing these signs and wonders that the people are like, you guys do your thing. Like, you guys do your thing. Like, they're just kind of watching in, in reverence and in awe of what God is doing through these apostles. I don't know. Um, honestly, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I mean, read it, study it. You come to your own conclusion. Does it matter that much? Well, not that much, okay? Not that, this is not a heaven or hell issue, okay? If you don't have verse 13 figured out in your life, 
I don't think it's going to change the fact. God's not going to be there and say, like, well, I would let you in, but verse 13 in chapter 5 in Acts, I don't know. You didn't get it right. So this is it. It isn't anything for you to be, you know, shaken about. It's just like something was happening. The, the Lord was moving tremendously. And yes, there was persecution, and it was a, the temperature is being turned up. That could have kept people away. But if we keep reading, clearly people are still moved by what God is doing. Verse 14, it says, and more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. Let me just tell you this, just so that you know factually and culturally and historically, the Sanhedrin and the other religious leaders in Jerusalem, they ran everything. So if you give your life to the Lord Jesus back in this time, there's a really good chance that you were literally paying a tremendous price to follow Jesus, meaning you were going to be out of work because these guys controlled everything. And so if they know you and now you're part of them, well, then you're going to lose your job. They were counting a tremendous cost to follow Jesus, and they were glad to do that. So you got to understand, too, that's what's going on. And these are real people just like you and I. It'd be the same thing if, if our country went the way of saying, listen, Jesus is outlawed. No more talking about Jesus. No more going to church. And if you do, it's going to cost you, you know, you know you'll, get, you'll get fired and you can't work here anymore and all that stuff. It's like, well, what are you going to do? If you're honest, there would be a little bit of a hesitation within your heart and your mind being like, oh, man, I, I got bills to pay. I got kids I got to feed. So what do I do? So if I join that group, it really is going to cost me my job. You got to understand that there is a very practical, a very real thing happening for these people. It wasn't just as simply as like, you can, you can follow Jesus and your life just continues on as is, as normal. That wasn't the case for them. If they were seen associating with these other guys, more than likely, they could lose everything. So now you probably have a little more compassion. If it is that side saying like, well, they wouldn't join because they were afraid. Well, I understand. I get it. I understand that. There's that other part of me too where it's like, you know what? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Bring it. Like, he's going to take care of me. I don't know how. He'll figure it out. Yeah, I'll be associated with those guys. I don't know. But that's, that's just some of the things that were going on culturally, just so you kind of have an, an idea of what's going on there. People are still getting saved, though. This is what's incredible. People are still getting saved. Multitudes of both men and women are being added not to the church, to the Lord, to the Lord. That's the key. That's absolutely the key. By being added to the Lord, yes, they are a part of the church. It's his body. But I love the special attention that's been given to that, saying that the most important thing was these guys are getting saved. They're getting saved. Maybe they're afraid to jump all in over here and be part of the group. They're getting saved. People are still getting saved. Verse 15, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. Like, they are seeing, like, the Lord is doing amazing things. Now, there is nothing special about Peter's shadow. Not, nothing at all. Nothing at all. Like, see, there's my shadow, kind of, and it, nothing. There's no power in it at all. It's not even a thing. It's just you know, light's coming down and it's, that's the darkness that's cast off in my body. There's nothing special about it. There's nothing special about Peter's shadow. Not at all. But it was like a faith connection point for the people. Kind of like the lady who sees Jesus walking through the crowds and she's like, if I can just get to him and touch the hem of his garment, 
than this bleeding that I've been experiencing for, what was it, like 13 years, 12 years, something like that? She's like, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be healed. So what did she do? She touched the hem of the garment, and she was healed. Well, that garment, we got to find that garment. No, it's not about the garment. It's not about the shadow. It's not about any of that stuff. It's just that faith kind of connection point. For her, it was like, I know Jesus can heal me. I know he can heal me. For these guys, they're like, God is doing something through these people. And even if he's so amazing, he's so powerful, that even if Peter's shadow touches me or passes over this sick person, they'll be healed. Why? They're not believing in Peter's shadow. They're not even believing in Peter. They're believing in the power of Jesus, who is the great physician. And I mean, people are just coming out in droves. They're just dragging. Can you imagine the scene? They're in Jerusalem. I mean, people are, the sick are being brought out into the streets. And they're like, later on, we're going to see Paul, his sweat rags, his bandana that he wears as he's building tents. They're like, can you just throw that nasty thing on me? Because I'm sick and I need to be healed. And it's like, but see, you understand that people are making these connections of like, God is using you. God is moving through you. It's a fascinating thing, this thing with healing. God is a God who heals. Does he heal all the time? Not always in ways we want him to, and not always immediately. Do I understand that? Not in the least bit. I know, I know his timing is perfect. I, I understand all that, but man, there's things that, that I've prayed for in my family's life that I'm like, God, can you just please heal? And it hasn't happened, and that's okay. If it's not today, Lord, then give me the strength today to make it through today. You have that. You have stories in your own families, and you have friends that have gone through tremendous things, difficult things, and watch people suffer and all this stuff, and you're like, God, I know you can heal them. Can you please just heal them? And sometimes that prayer is answered with a yes. Sometimes the healing doesn't come in this life. And I know that there's you know, healing and, and all that stuff in the next life to come and all that good stuff, but man, I'm, I, this is where I'm at today. This is where we're at today, and it's, that's sometimes hard to, to think about and to deal with. If we're honest, it's like, God, I know you can, please. My counsel to all of us, myself included, is we were singing songs about that. He is good. He is good. And, and my counsel would be just keep going to your heavenly Father who loves you and who cares about you. Will he heal in that situation? I don't know. Can he? Absolutely. Absolutely, with no doubt in my mind about that. But I would pray kind of along the same lines as Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, where he's like, you know what, Lord? Your will be done. Your will be done. And that's sometimes hard. That's hard. Because if you're anything like me, it's like, no, no. (laughs) Healing now, like now. Like, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? Just trust him. Just trust in the Lord. A lot of people were being healed at at this point in time. And even in Jesus' ministry, not everybody was healed by Jesus. Yeah, I hope you understand that. Um, and even during the apostles' time here, as God's using him during this, in this, this point in time, not everyone was being healed. Now, multitudes, lots of people were being healed, but, but that's the resilience you want. That's the resilience these apostles have. They're being used by God, and, and it's really going to come down on these guys, but the Lord's using them, and people are getting healed, and they're wanting the shadow of Peter to fall on them, and And for some of them, I guess it was working. Verse uh, 16, it says, the people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. I mean, they were all coming out and possessed by evil spirits, and people were just getting healed. It's amazing. It's incredible. You need to understand, too, this is almost in a contrast with like, 
You got Ananias and Sapphira, this, this sad story where these people showed up and they're like, no, listen, we sold this land, we're giving all the money to God and all this stuff, and then turns out that they really didn't do that, and they weren't lying to Peter, they weren't lying to the church, they were lying to God about it, and they got taken out. And then, so you think like a story like that, bad headlines and bad press like that would, would just really start to crumble this thing. God's like, no, let me show you what I can do. Let me show you what my intent is for the church. And the church is what? To heal everybody? No. The church is there to bring hope to people by communicating the gospel, the fact that Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins and raised from the grave. That's the church. And that's what the church is doing in these people's lives. He's going to use these who are afflicted with unclean spirits and those who are sick, healing those just to demonstrate God is moving. He is moving. The sad reality is that sometimes we get so comfortable in life that we just don't need them anymore until we're like desperate. Now we're crying out to God and all that stuff. Listen, he's still on the move today. He's still on the move today. He's still working. He didn't say, well, I only had that for these apostles and all that good stuff. For the rest of you guys, I mean, good luck. No, it's not like that at all. You'll see, continue on throughout the word. He's still in the business of healing people. He's still in the business of doing all those things, okay? All right, so you think this is like, I mean, this is a good thing. People are getting healed. People are being set free from possession of evil spirits and all this. I mean, craziness. You would think that everybody is in the street celebrating the good things that God's doing. But that's not true. That's not true because, see, what's happening is God is instituting a new thing, and it's called the church. And, and part of the reason for doing that is because, well, the old guard doesn't want to do what they're supposed to do, okay? They're not doing what they're supposed to do. And this was part of God's plan all along. There was always going to be the church. However, before the church, he had entrusted to the nation of Israel and to certain individuals from the nation of Israel, you're supposed to be spiritual leaders. You're supposed to lead the nation. You're supposed to teach them, teach them the truth, point them to me. And they chose not to do those things. But the old guard, the old way of doing things is still around. And they're the ones who are still running the show. And now you got all these crazy people. They're not educated, right? They're fishermen. Now they were following this guy, Jesus, who we thought we killed, but we can't find his body anymore. And now they're causing all this problem for what? For us old guys. We're stuck doing the same old thing that really you weren't supposed to, you, you missed it. Jesus himself showed up and he's like, hey, it's supposed to be about me and uh, you guys want to kill me. But now God is doing something new and you guys know how it is. Not many people like change. Not many people, I love change. You can tell, we show up one Sunday, show up the next Sunday, chairs are probably going to be a little bit different, right? Because I'm just weird like that, right? I don't mind change at all. I'm okay with change. My wife hates change. She hates it. Drives her nuts, right? But I'm like, oh, yeah, let's change that. Let's change this. Um, I've learned to, hopefully, I've learned by now to consult with her before I make changes, to not do that. And then I begin to understand, like, oh, my wife doesn't work the way I work. Weird. She's totally wired differently. But I don't mind it, but you got these guys, the high priests, the Sanhedrin, the, uh, the Sadducees, all these guys, Jesus has already been on the scene, and he's already kind of messed up their thing. 
these guys are continuing on with that pattern, and now they're, they're messing it up for them. This is not how we do things. This is, not, this is not the way it goes. So they're upset. Verse 17, it says, but the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, those are, remember, those are the guys who don't believe in the resurrection of the dead. They don't believe in, they don't believe in that at all. And filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison, in the jailhouse, okay? So not filled with the Holy Spirit, they are filled with jealousy. So you got these guys who've been doing this the same way the whole time, not completely ignoring God while thinking they're doing great things for God. These new guys show up, they don't fit in the mold, and everybody's going to them. And now they're what? They're jealous. They're jealous. And it says it right there. They're filled with jealousy. They already hate these guys. I mean, they've already arrested, you know, Peter and John once before. Now they're going to arrest all the apostles. But their motivation is the fact that it's, it's jealousy. It's consumed them. They don't know where to put this new thing because partly, you know, partly they're, they're I'm assuming they're, they're feeling somewhat left out because, wait, we're the religious leaders. We're not healing anybody. Well, you're supposed to have been. It wasn't like, it wasn't like you couldn't. Go back and read the Old Testament. These guys knew this. They were, supposed to be, they were supposed to be the ones helping out the lepers. They didn't want to go near the lepers. Jesus showed up and he's like, come here, lepers. I'll touch you. I'm not afraid of you. He was doing what they were supposed to have been doing all along. They were supposed to be helping the poor. They were supposed to be helping the sick. They were supposed to be, doing, they were supposed to be teaching the word, and they stopped teaching the word. They began teaching tradition, tradition. They had their own word that they were going to teach. Based off of their guys that they admired, that they looked up to, it was extra things, extra biblical things that they began to say, you know what, we're going to teach from these things. Would they still teach from, from the Old Testament? Yes. But they had their own teachings that they kind of kept at the same level of, of the sacred text, the Old Testament. And they're like, why isn't anybody coming to us? Well, because God's not using you. Because God's not in it. God's not in it. You're an old wineskin. You're an old wineskin. God's doing something new. He needs new wineskins. Could they become new wineskins? Yes, they could have. God's like, listen, I've entrusted you guys with this for how many years now? And you are completely in rebellion against me. You, you killed the Messiah. You killed Jesus. God's like, I'm going to use the foolish things of the world. I'm going to use the foolish things of the world. I'm going to do it different. I'm going to do it how I want to do it. I'm going to take these guys, these men, these women that are gathering together, that nobody really expects anything from these people, and I'm going to use them to turn the world upside down. Upside down. And these guys who are supposed to be the religious leaders, are filled with jealousy, which leads to hatred. Please understand that. If you let jealousy be planted within your heart, I can guarantee you down the road, it will turn into hatred. It will turn into hatred. It does. It does. If that's a seed that you have planted in your heart, ask Jesus to uproot that thing and get it away from you because it's destructive and it will kill you. It'll absolutely take you out.
incredible to learn about the Holy Spirit and the faithfulness of the apostles within the early church. You've been listening to Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're so glad that you joined us in this study through the book of Acts. If you'd like to listen to today's teaching again or hear more from Pastor James, feel free to visit breadforthebroken.com and click on the teachings tab. We'd also love to hear from you, so would you let us know how you've been blessed by Bread for the Broken? You can drop us a note through the contact page on our website. While you're visiting breadforthebroken.com, you'll also be able to learn more about the church behind this ministry, Calvary Chapel Galveston. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you visit. So for directions, service times, and to learn more about us, just visit breadforthebroken.com. We hope to see you soon. Until then, we encourage you to read ahead and to begin to study the book of Acts on your own. Although it may seem unrelatable because it took place thousands of years ago, that couldn't be further from the truth. God is still living and active today, and His Spirit is present and seeking those who believe. And if you let Him, God can do incredibly powerful things through you for the kingdom. So the question we'll leave you with today is, will you say yes to what God is doing? And will you trust in Him to move today just as He did all of those years ago? There's still so much to learn from the book of Acts, but that's all the time we have for today. Join us again next time, right here on Bread for the Broken.